Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest today, Corey Lynn Feynman, has made, I like this, has made a career of avoiding the sunlight in his hometown of San Diego, California. I thought that I was the only one that does that. Where he's no, worked as a key- <laughs> well, we should uh, compare tans. He's worked as a keyboard player for local bands, a sound designer for the world famous Old Globe Theater, and an interactive designer for organizations both corporate and sundry. He also teaches at various colleges and universities. Boredom and a warped sense of literacy, literary ambition, led him to conceive of the character Raleigh Waters, the guitar-playing detective first featured in the San Diego Book Awards-nominated. Mystery Black's Beach Shuffle. Beach Shuffle. His second Raleigh Waters mystery, Borderfield Blues, won the genre award at the 2013 Hollywood Book Festival. Ballast Point Breakdown is the fourth book in the series. Corey has met, this is interesting, Corey has managed to stay married to the same woman for more years than either of them probably expected, aided by a shared love for improvised driving adventures. There's got to be five stories there. And an arid sense of humor. Many years of soaking up the temperate climate of San Diego has made has had no noticeable effect on Corey's attitude. Welcome, Corey Lynn Feynman. Thank you. Glad to be here. That's an interesting bio. All right. Yeah. That's my... So I'm guessing. Uh, well, there's some stories with the with the uh, the cars driving at the wife, but maybe for another time. Yeah. We'll time yeah. There later. are. We... We can get to that later if we start talking about the uh, Desert City. Right. But, uh, so, speaking of Raleigh Waters, um, tell us a little bit about Raleigh and Ballast Point Breakdown. All right. Well, uh, Raleigh's uh, got four books now. As I, as, as you, you mentioned there, he's a guitar-playing detective. Um, actually, the idea for him came out of my years playing music um, around San Diego and Los Angeles. Um, I was briefly a guitar player, but mostly I was a keyboard player. And uh, as I like to sometimes tell people, Raleigh Waters is my revenge on guitar players. Um, they're always sitting up front, and keyboard players are sitting in the back. So, right. um, but he's kind of yeah, he's, he's kind of a different kind of. He's a private eye. He does not carry a gun. He's kind of a peaceable fellow. Hopes to just get by doing you know the easy jobs, looking up things going for files, taking photos, that kind of thing, but always manages to get himself in more trouble than he's prepared for. Uh, well, he is a, he wants to avoid the uh, violence, but he's, um, you know, he's he's a bulldog. He stays after it. But um, so what's the uh, story and what's the exciting incident and ballast point breakdown? So Ballast Point Breakdown is um, starts with this, um, a, a uh, boat crashing into the Admiral's Club, which is on the bay here in San Diego. Uh, the Navy has the Admiral's Club. And uh, it's actually a suicide by a young woman who, well, she's not so young anymore, but it's a woman that Raleigh knew many years before when he was playing music. She was the um, head of the band's fan club. So he gets drawn into this thing because of her. But as it turns out, there's also the, the FBI and the local police are all looking into this as well. So there's a lot of complications he's not prepared for. Um, did you have a lot of uh, groupies back when you were playing fan clubs, groupies? No, 
No, the, the, the one thing about my band is we had absolutely no groupies. So, well, like two, you know. Um, I did actually, we, I did have a head of the fan club for a while, so that's good. So that that was a real thing. Um, she was a friend with that and and liked the band, so that's a good thing to have because they can help you out with some of the work of getting people to to sign up for things. But right. no, very very low on the group group, very low on the groupie uh, number. So uh, as opposed to handling a lot of income, she was out marketing. Out marketing, yes, exactly, doing the marketing. So that's, right. that's so you, it's nice to have some help with that. Oh yeah, we can all use that. Um, where you don't have to pay a whole lot. So you mentioned a little bit of the genesis of Raleigh, um, and it's interesting you said that you're, it's your revenge on guitar players. But uh, he's a likable guy, so it's not like you're really sticking it to the guitar players. No, I'm not. It's only that I let him get beat up once in a while in the books. Right. I actually, he's he's a very likable guy, and uh, very he's he's a little older now. I think he was not quite as likable when he was young. And occasionally I fiddle around with the idea of having a prequel where we find him at a younger age. But he's been through a lot and he's mellowed and uh, he's, you know, he's, he's willing to just handle things. It's something that I, it's something actually that I think happens to a lot of musicians who play the clubs and stuff. And I've seen it. You develop a certain uh, calmness, you know, because you've seen a lot of things and you're just not going to let things draw you up. Younger, younger folks maybe get upset about things, but he's, right. he's cool. Like a uh, like the wisdom of a <clears throat> of a long on the job cop. Um, so yeah, are you still playing? Are you, do you still play occasionally? Do you have a band? Still gets together? I do not play much. I will be playing. I don't play much. As I tell people, I don't. They don't. I play, but they don't let me go out in public anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be playing at the Left Coast Crime Conference here in San Diego in March, which is going to be fun. We've got a, a group of of mystery and crime writers who are also musicians or have been musicians. Uh, and we're putting that group together to play at the uh, conference. So it's going to be fun. Putting the new band together. So uh, any names that we might recognize or not recognize? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Lisa Brackman is in the band. Oh, that's right. She's, she plays uh, bass, right? A great writer. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, Lisa's been the person really behind putting it together, which has been great. Um, and uh, we have a, um, uh, Reardon, uh, whom I'm getting get the name wrong here. I didn't think of it. That's all right. No pressure. Um, Don't say it if you're not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I won't say anymore. Um, and uh, so we've got a few people sitting in from other places, and uh, it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the uh, what do they call it? The cabaret or something? Uh, after Noir at the Bar. Yeah, they call it the cabaret. Yeah, yeah. Caitlin Rother. That's uh, sorry. When oh, Caitlin, yeah. Caitlin. She's, uh, she's a yeah. true crime writer, and she sings, I believe. Well, I know she sings, but I yep. don't know what she yep. So yeah, I, she I, sings, I know she sings really well. Yeah, and she's a, she's a great writer, too. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I got off on a tangent here, but I'm interested. I only ask questions I'm interested in, so too bad. Um, so is it going to be difficult for a bunch of uh, disparate musicians to get together and start, and, and some who probably don't play all that often, to get together and jam for a live uh, live audience, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, we have <laughs> we've had a rehearsal. We've, <laughs> we've had one rehearsal. No one, cool. no one, no one killed each other. No one. We all got along. So so far so good. Uh, we got another rehearsal coming up in about a week. So we'll see if it gets serious. Then we, we're getting a lot of guest stars too. So that's going to be, I think, maybe the more complicated piece. 
that we won't have as much time to rehearse with them. Yeah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think who's coming. Ellen Byron may sing uh, Boots Are Made for Walking. Holly <laughs> West may do a go-go song, which is perfect. Um, I don't know, Holly could sing. I, we, she thinks <laughs> she's going to sing a, a no, go-go go-go. song with us, so we don't know. Yeah, that's like I said, that's the only, that's the only uh, odd factor here is we haven't heard a lot of these people, but, you know, it'll be fun. Oh, I'm gonna have to stick around for that, and we'll have to start the poker game a little later. Um, all right, so yeah, getting back, right, and then probably that'll probably be better for my pocketbook. All right, getting back to Raleigh and this book, Ballast Point Breakdown, yeah. which is a great read. I had the opportunity to read it early, so it has humor and a lot of humor, but I don't really, I don't, I wouldn't care myself. I wouldn't characterize it as a strictly humorous mystery. There's some darkness and even sadness in, in Raleigh's past i should say sadness and even darkness um how do you juggle when you're writing a book like this humor with straight straight ahead action and, and a fully realized character or uh, group of characters yeah that's a good question and i think it's something that i i got better at as i've written more of them and it really started to take shape with the second book um i knew i wanted him to be non-traditional in the sense of he's not a tough guy mm-hmm. um and, and so I think what I, what I really ended up with is that most of the humor comes from his relationships with, with people. Um, you know, he lives next door to his mother, and he has to deal with her all the time. In the new one, we finally get to meet his father, and we find out what a handful his father can be. Um, and so and then he's got all these kind of bohemian friends, musician types. And uh, so I, I build most of the humor into that stuff. And then, of course, the the plot and crime tends to become more serious and darker. Usually it, it has some connection to his past, but not, not always, but usually there's that connection, which kind of gives you a sense of him as being a little bit of a, 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 a knight with tarnished armor, I guess you might say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't, uh, I haven't read all your books, unfortunately. Um, but I, um, there's a, something in the, in the background here that I didn't know about that. Um, of course, being a dark guy like I am, I thought was really cool and gave a little different, interesting edge um, for Raleigh. Um, by the way, I got a friend who lives uh, right next to his mom too. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, he, he survived. That's funny. That's funny. He survived. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, you know, that's good. That's good. I when I after I wrote the first book, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a musician or had been, and it turned out he had just moved back in with his mom in the same area. That was funny. Right. Well, hell. I mean, that's the life of a musician, I guess. Um, Sometimes. All the piercings and mom's cooking dinner. Um, right. All right. So, Bow Points Breakdown has a lot of twists and turns. And, and like you the setup is really – well, I mean, the opening scene is um, is really well written. There is – I mean, it's a, it's a – it's a violent, um, action-packed scene, but there is some there is some humor, too. But um, – I know some writers don't like to talk about where their ideas come from, but I don't care. It's my show. So, uh, why did you decide to include and examine the Navy dolphin diver program, which is half, you know, part of this book? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's a good question because I don't quite remember. Um, I knew, I mean, I'm not going to be much help here, except that I knew that, where it was placed because it was in Point Loma and because of the setup scene that it happens on a Navy base, 
that mm-hmm. I wanted some backstory or some element of this that was about the Navy. And to tell you the truth, originally I had a submarine crew in this. So uh, oh, that wow. tells you how far I went off base from there. Yeah, it was it was something to do with submarines and a guy on a submarine. But I kind of that kind of wore out pretty quickly, and I I found out about the, the dolphins, the trained dolphins we had here in town. And then by a stroke of luck, it turned out I had worked with somebody who was now working with the dolphins. He wasn't in the wow. navy, but he was a he was a contract. Yeah, he was a contractor. So I was able to meet with him and uh, and get all sorts of information from him. Actually, he's, he, he passed away. There's a little memoriam from in front of the book. Um, but he gave me some great information. He, you know, he was a, he was a dolphin trainer. So mm-hmm. um, then then I was set once I had that information that I just it was too interesting to not to not put in there. Yeah, I've, I've lived in San Diego um, all but about four or five, six years of my life. And uh, I didn't know about the the dolphin training program, <laughs> so it was cool yeah, to uh, yeah. to learn about it. And then, of course, when I think, of, although I don't drink, when I think of Ballast Point, I think of, of course, the uh, brewery we have here in San Diego. That's a microbrewery, not a microbrewery, whatever they call it, craft beer. Um, no, that was a really interesting facet, and uh, it was clear that you, you know, that you did know your stuff. But um, it's always neat to find these little nuggets of uh especially when you like i said your own hometown where i don't even know about and i learned it's always nice to learn something new about an area you think you know um yeah that's one thing that's one thing i was that's one thing i I like to do with the series is i like to have something new and interesting that's not you know say on the tourist maps um that people wouldn't necessarily know about and get that into the book yeah so that's that's always that's always kind of a fun part is figuring out what that's going to be we have that in uh, is it number two or three or three three I think Desert City Diva is that the number three? Yeah, Desert City Diva is number three, and uh, so that's the last the, one before this. Yeah, that's the one we're out in the desert with the um, what do they call it? The slat? What do they call it? Slab, yeah. So Slab City, slab. that one gets the farthest yeah. out of San Diego, but it's still you know yeah. in Southern California. Right. Yeah, that takes place a lot in Slab City. Plus, in the actually in the up in the mountains where we have our Native American reservations. Um, so the, on the way to Slab City, and uh, also with the Desert Tower, which is another really great location we have here in San Diego County that looks out over the desert. Yeah, um, I don't want to get into San Diego too much, but uh, I think maybe some people that um, when they think about. Southern California or San Diego, if they don't live here, they think about, well, it's a beach town and everything, but we've got like uh, 5,000 foot mountains out to our east, not that far, like a half hour right. drive from 45 minutes or at the most. Anyway, so enough about that. So uh, talk a little bit about Raleigh's relationship with Bonnie Hammond in the book, in the book or in ah. his life. Yeah. So Bonnie Hammond um, is, is a policeman detective, um, who he's known for a long time because of uh, he, she, Bonnie is with a woman, lives with a woman uh, who used to be a sound person. Uh, Bonnie is actually based on a policeman I, I knew many years ago. And uh, she, she's an interesting character because she's, she's tough. She's uh, very honest and efficient. I mean, she's really a good cop, I think, is the way I think of her. And mm-hmm. so she, she appreciates Raleigh's... Um, you know, artistic side, but she doesn't take any crap from him. All right. And, uh, yeah. And it also gave what the other thing it gave me 
for the books goes is she's the muscle, right? Uh-huh. She's the one that can pull out a gun. She's the one that can, you know, arrest people. So it gave them a good partner to work with when they get to work together. Right. And it's not, it's not a completely adversarial relationship. She has um, respect for him. Um, oh yeah. They hey. both, and they both respect each other. That's a key part. So as being a, how long have you lived, have you lived in San Diego all your life? I have lived – I was born in San Diego. I've lived here uh, only – I've been five years in L.A. That's that's the only time I haven't been here, basically. All right. So as being an old Padre fan myself, I'm wondering if, uh, the, if Raleigh was named after anybody. Uh, yeah, Raleigh is not – he's not a Padre name. He's actually – many of the names are musical names and mixed up. So Raleigh is actually Roland Waters – which is a mix of muddy waters. Muddy waters, sure. So if you like Roger, if you want to go with Roger Waters, that's okay too. Um, and then Roland is a is a instrument manufacturer. They make yeah. keyboards and drum machines and stuff. So that's how he became. And Bonnie Hammond is Bonnie Rayet and Hammond organs. Well, I was thinking of Hammond Howard, Bonnie Rayet, one of my uh, all time favorites. Who I saw live at San Diego State uh, with with um, oh, Stevie cool. Ray Vaughan. With Stevie Ray, she opened for Ooh, Stevie Ray. That wow, was amazing. That, was a great show. Yeah. that yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of Raleigh Fingers. I think there's a lot. Of, right. Oh, there you go. That, yeah. Yeah. I haven't thought of Raleigh Fingers. There actually is. There's quite a bit of Padres in the uh, Desert City Diva book. He interviews. I'm trying to remember the name of the character he interviews. Uh, Eric Ozzy. Eric Ozzy is the former baseball player he interviews. You might be able to figure out who he's named after. Two two different Padres. Well, I think the month might be Eric Scholl. Eric Shaw. Eric Shaw. Yeah, I was thinking. Shaw, the pitcher, and then Ozzy, and then Ozzy. Uh, what was Ozzy's last name? The short stuff. Oh, Ozzy, oh, Ozzy Smith. Ozzy Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So people singers, people singing about Padres. What the hell are they talking about? And they're thinking that Ozzy Smith played for the Padres. Yeah, no, no getting... we started with the Padres. We started with the Padres. <laughs> we got, we're getting a little geeky Gary, here. They got Gary Templeton for him. All right, so um, when you started the series, did you intend for it mm-hmm. to be – when you were writing the first book, did you think it was – I'm writing a series, I'm just writing a book that I always want to write? Uh, I was partly writing a book I always want to write. It was partly to get the Raleigh – there were two things. I wanted to get this Raleigh Waters character. I didn't know his name at the time, but I had this idea for a character who was um, some sort of crime fighter, probably a private eye, who was also a musician. So – Believe it or not, in my original idea, I was going to write a musical, uh, oh, and I'm kind of wow. glad I didn't go. go yeah, wow. glad I didn't go down that uh, path. Um, so it became a thing. So that was one thing, and the other thing I was with the first book. I actually was using it. I, I had been working at an internet company called MP3.com, which was a very interesting experience. I guess is the best way to describe it, and I kind of pulled that into the first book. So. A lot of stuff I've just been dealing with. It's funny. Uh, um, we have a caller. I think I know who it is. I'm going to get to him in a second if he's listening. Um, but writing a musical and regarding crime, I, I've been a huge advocate for cop rock. I loved that show when I was on. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. <I> actually, <laughs> actually just, just the other day, I found something. Because I've looked to see if I can find old episodes. And you really can't find any old episodes. You can find some scenes, but they did have all the songs were on some website. Ooh. And so I started, I started listening to some of the songs. And I thought, you know, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> anyway, 
I was the not. only person I know <laughs> that liked cop, cop rock. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I don't remember it well, though. Yeah, well, it only lasted barely a season, I think. Uh, but it was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was David Milch, but it was the other guy from NYPD Blue. Anyway. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And his wife was on, like she was on the shows. So um, I see we have a caller. I think you know who he is. Before we get to him, I'm going to ask you, you have an interesting podcast. We'll call it a podcast. It could be called something else. Yeah, we'll call it a podcast. Tell us tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so it's called Desert City Diva. It's named after my, my third book, also called Desert City Diva. And it's we call it a podcast because we're posting it on the podcast networks, but it's a little different in that it's more a dramatic radio play type adaptation of the book. So we've got uh, we've hired professional actors playing all sorts of parts. We've got music and we've got sound, so it's quite a quite a production. Holy crap! Should I before yeah. have, I'll I'll pull up your because um, I think you know the guy that's on hold. I'll pull him up and let him talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe you can fill in the gaps, yeah. but um, but I had no right. I had no idea it was this um, this big. I'm uh, it sounds perhaps better than Cop Rock, but let me uh, I'll just call it. It might. We're hoping. We're hoping. Okay. The, oh, this is Matt. Uh, you called Crime Corner. Can I help you? Matt, this is Steve Cotter. Hey, Steve. Thanks for calling All in. Right. Yeah. All right, hey, so Corey. How's it going? Yeah. Going well. <laughs> How you doing, Steve? Steve Pretty good. Is, uh, Steve was. Steve was is is Steve is the producer of the Desert City uh, Diva podcast, and so I think it's great he's on here. He uh, I would not have done it without him. He really was the impetus to getting it done. So, um, Steve, go ahead. Well, you're and very tell kind. What we did or what you did, yeah. <clears throat> well, it's basically um, it is as you guys have been discussing. It's a it's really a crime mystery podcast series. And it is a lot more in depth than a typical uh, interview podcast. Um, but it's it's we, as you said, we do a lot of um, voice actors came in. We did a lot of principal recording for maybe five days or so. But the entire production took almost maybe six months to put together. Holy smoke! Between the yeah, between the music, um, all the special effects, the foley. Um, all the production that was requi- required afterwards, it really takes a long time. And sometimes you call people back to fix a few things, and it's it's a big production, actually. And uh, so it was, it's really fun. Uh, Corey and the cast and everybody had a good time. Uh, all these actors are very professional. Um, they're very good resumes. Kevin, Kirsten, and Nancy, and, of course, uh, my wife had a pivotal role as the uh, radio <laughs> police dispatcher. And so yeah. I have to say that because she's just around the corner over here. So. Right. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a fun production, and Corey and Maria did a great job in adapting the third book to a screenplay. And it's, you know, I used to compare this to a radio uh, show of the 50s or so where they have yeah. crime dramas at that time but you know the more i look at it it's much more involved i mean in those yeah, days they would th- yeah they would they would be able to do it in in one take live on the radio somewhere mm-hmm. and uh and, th- and that was great i'm sure they did a lot of pre-production but with this it took a lot of post-production and uh it's, yeah it's really you know, actually 
in some ways, Steve, in some ways, Steve, it, it is kind of like a, a movie for your ears. Um, it yeah. has that, that level of production, which I was something great that you were able to provide for us. Oh, so, my pleasure. Obviously, yeah, I think ahead, uh, when it comes to the musical part that um, Corey be able to get together musicians, but Steve, what's your background to be a, to de- be dealing with actors? Uh, well, uh, probably a lot of a lot of reasons. Half my family was in the entertainment industry, um, and uh, the other half were attorneys. Ah. I was a little bit of the black sheep, but I don't know if you uh, if you remember uh, uh, Steve Allen uh, back in the day. I, come on, I just talked about cop rock. I can go back before that to Steve Allen, of course. <laughs> well, he was my uncle. Oh wow. And, uh, and he married my dad's sister, uh, Jane Meadows, yeah. who was an actress. And her sister, of course, was Audrey Meadows, who was Alice on the uh, Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason. Right. And and a lot of my cousins are involved in entertainment still today in various capacities. Um, and I grew up in, in Los Angeles, uh, in and around the entertainment industry. Uh, so it's always been something I've liked to do in some capacity since uh, since high school, actually. What's quite a, quite a lineage you have there. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, it was actually it was actually one of it was actually one of Steve's cousins that connected us to him because uh, our we have a good friend, Robert, who actually works at the Old Globe Theater uh, here in town. And many years ago, I worked there and my wife, Maria, worked there. And so we kind of connected Steve through through Robert. And that was another connection for our finding some actors here in town too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. It's and, local uh, talent. Local talent. <laughs> it is. We all local talent. You figure sometimes it would be LA. Um, well, that's um, yeah. That was my next question. How you got together? So, why on earth would you do this? I mean, I'm saying it's a great. I think it's a great idea, but it sounds like you hired people. There's money involved. I mean, this is a bit of an undertaking. Well, now yeah. Let Steve handle it, that one. <laughs> Um, it is a bit of undertaking, and it does cost some money. But if you see where the podcasting world is moving, uh, if you look at, say, the top ten podcasts on Apple, uh, you know, three or four of them are these large productions. Mm-hmm. They're true crime dramas sometimes, and there's going to be some right. fiction drama. Um, and there's you have to put in a little bit of money in order to, to get a production up to that level if you kind of want to compete in the area. Um, so it's. Uh, I thought that we uh, we did a great job for a reasonable amount of money, and came out with a really great product um, for Corey, and had a lot of fun doing it. So you're hoping to be able to monetize this to some degree? Well, yeah, it would be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, would, so. that would be fun. <laughs> People are going to think they're married. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, of course, you want to monetize anything that you actually put money into. But there are other things that you you can get out of it. You know, I mean, this is, it's great to advertise for Corey for his books, which are wonderful. And uh, so that's great motivation for him to do this. And I really appreciate him doing it because we had uh, – it was quite a challenge. And, uh, we again, we came out with something that I'm proud of. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's anything that you have – that you think can be worth something to a sponsor or something, um, you're kind of hoping to go down that road. All right. Um, but in, a, in any case, it's a great, uh, I think, an asset to my company uh, to be able to say that I did this 
this product. And, uh, cool. I, it sounds I, I, it sounds like something right down my alley or up my alley, and people are gonna be thinking I buried the lead. Um, how can we find it? Where do we find it? Uh, Corey, so on the, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. I'll go take that part. So the easiest way is uh, go to DesertCityDiva.com. That's the website for it. You can play it directly from there. But also, it is now on all of the major podcast networks, I guess we call them. So if you search for Desert City Diva on Apple or Google or Spotify or any of the other podcast networks, it should come right up and you can play it. I think we've got four episodes. They're each about a half hour long. So you could, if you want to do it like a movie, you can sit there and listen to all four or you can break it up like a, like a mini series. So either way. Yeah, so Desert so that, City Diva. That's a complete season, a complete book, the four. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there was some adaptation. Yeah, there was some adaptation we had to do. It's not everything that's in the book, so we had to rewrite a little bit. My wife Maria helped me a little bit on that. She worked in theater for a while, so she had some good thoughts on that. So it was an interesting process in and of itself, which I think we all really appreciated. Well, it must have been a great process for you, if you had. I mean, or a learning process for you, and a um, beneficial process for you, if you're more or less writing the, we'll call it a screenplay or teleplay, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it was. It was great, actually. It was nice. I, you know, I was interested in writing movies years ago, but I've never really taken on writing a screenplay. So it was great to to kind of take it from the book to the quote screenplay. Um, and and see what works, what doesn't, see how you do it. And then it's great when – I tell you what's great is once you get the actors in there and they yeah. start doing the lines and, and, you know, you really start hearing some stuff. You know, you've got to change a few things, but, but they right. bring a life to it that you don't – you know, you're not sure about when you write it. Well, if you're still considering writing that musical, I do believe there is an opening for Cop Rock 2 Electric Boogaloo, so keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. There you go. I'm looking forward to that. Sounds All right, Steve, I want to thank you for calling in. I got a few more uh, writer stuff questions for Raleigh, but this sounds like a great thing. And, and one more time, it's DebtorCityDiva.com. You can find it there. You can find it there. You can go to wherever podcasts are available, right, and download it and listen to it. That's correct. That's correct. Cool. You know what? The next time I walk my yeah. dog, which will be in about an hour and a half, I'm going to put this thing on. Excellent. Hey, perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Good stuff. Wow. Yeah. Even, even in your, even in your description, I didn't understand. You know how much was involved. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It turned out really well, and we're we're, we're all really happy with it. Um, it's a, it is a little different for the podcast area because of the production values, but we're hoping it makes a makes an impression on people once they once they give it a listen. I listen to podcasts all, almost all the time when I walk my dog now. I try, try to listen to local oh. sports radio, and it depresses me because the local sports radio not very good now that my buddy Dave and Jeff yeah. are doing their own podcast and not on local radio anymore. Anyway, so just a couple more questions, but I want we have, a, as I say this, almost every episode that we have a very large, I don't know, pretty large um, group of writers that listen to the show at various stages of their career, ah. so want to talk a little bit about the writing biz. And one thing I was wondering, because I don't know the answer to this, was how long did it take you from uh, first words on a keyboard to publication? Well, there's a couple ways of answering that. One would be like, you know, 40 years. Um, yeah, that's normal. Because uh, I, I, you know, 
Right. I started as a writer. I was interested in writing. I got my I got a bachelor's degree from UCLA in in creative writing and poetry. So yeah. Um, and then I money. yeah I didn't do that for one. Yeah, which was not bad for songwriting skills. Uh, sure. I did do some songwriting for many years. Yeah. So it was good for that. But uh, I came back to this uh, to wanting to write a book when I was uh, actually when I was working at this internet company. Internet company got by, bought by a big corporation. My job got really boring and annoying, and I needed something to give me some creative outlet. And that's when I started writing the first book. Came up with the idea. I actually took lunch hours because I was working a lot. I would take a lunch hour, go out to my car somewhere, and just start writing, you know, freehand in a notebook, coming up with ideas and trying to write bits. So that's where it started. And then, of course, then you find out there's so much else involved. Which of course, you found right. out too. Right. Um, and actually making. Getting a book published and getting it out there. Much so easier. you're writing freehand at lunch. So you're just sketching out ideas, or do you actually start writing a first draft by hand? Mostly kind of sketches of things that might uh, happen. You know, a couple of characters meet. This thing happens. A lot of the first stuff, and still the way I write a lot of books, is I have a place. You know, I have places and I have characters that I've come up with. And they change over the course of the book, but I put them in. You know, why would these three people be at this place? You know, where did mm-hmm. it start, and where would it be the next place, and who would be there? And that's kind of what I was writing then was was little sketches like that. You know, back and forth between them and what was going on. Then you got to turn it into you know a real book. But but it's a good start. It's a good way to start. I found. So it's, do you? Sounds to me like you maybe start with a somewhat skeletal outline before you start writing. Yeah, yes, definitely a skeletal outline. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an idea about some things, and I, I rarely have an ending. I, I often have a beginning. Uh, you know, that that's usually an idea that kicks it off, and then right. the rest is yeah. Who else might be involved? I mean, I have the regular characters now, so you know, Bonnie's got to be in there at some point. Yeah, um, the mom's got to be in there at some point. Raleigh, I, I missed a couple people this time. I didn't have. I didn't have uh, Marley, his his kind of tech guy, or Norwood, the guitar genius. Um, but you know, you have to leave some people out once in a while. Right. I'm sure they're pissed about it, but uh, too bad. Yeah, uh, no, they'll live. Yeah. So, but if you said something interesting to me, because I have a somewhat similar um, method, if you can call it that, but mm-hmm. I generally do see the ending out there on the horizon. I may not know exactly what it is, but I sort of yeah. know I'm, I'm pointed that way, but you don't really have an ending most of the time. Is that what you're saying? I would say I don't most of the times. Yeah, no. I mean, I know kind of who the bad guy is or who, you know, the crime that happened. What I don't always, what's harder to figure out is how we're going to, you know, figure that out. In fact, this Ballast Point, the last one, I think it's probably my best in terms of the the twists and turns at the end. Yeah. But, but. But many of those I didn't know after um, I made it through the second draft, maybe. I usually write mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the second, I still didn't quite know. And then I, I discovered, I'll call it in my head, this relationship between, I don't want to give anything away, but I, I discovered a relationship between two of the people there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it was like, oh, now I get it. Now I know what's going to happen, you know, basically. So, right. so sometimes it just happens. It takes time to get there, though, right? Because you've written the first draft, and and you said to me again, interesting because I think I'm similar, is that in my head, yeah. so more or less, you've worked with this thing for a number of months, this story, and your 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 subconscious is working 
overtime when maybe you, you know, you're whatever you're walking, what have you. And that's is sometimes that's kismet. That's how things come together. And you, that's how those, maybe those two people had the connection where it was always in there, but you could see it right away. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think you do have it in there, but it's like, it's like, you know, there's that old thing people say about uh, sculptors who, don't carve the statue they find it inside the stone and i think it's a little similar thing we have this big block a big block in our head and so right. we uncover the you know the things that are that are there it does get to be a bit of a block sometimes though so. oh yeah i got a i got a big block in there right now as a matter of fact um, oh yeah i got a big, big one going on so uh so that, I, that you're kind of a you're a hybrid like most writers where you sort of outline it and you're a bit of a pantser so has your um, process gotten – has it refined over the years, or is it still the same? Uh, that's a good question. I'd, actually, I'd say the way it's changed is I'm more consistent in uh, getting my butt in the chair and getting a 1,000 words out. You know, uh, Some days only 600 words, but you know, most right. days I can get 1,000 out. And I think – actually, I think the thing that's improved the most or changed the most is – I don't worry about it as much. I've mm. already had, you know, I've already had four books and they all sucked after the first, you know, first draft. And Absolutely. three out of four sucked. Three out of four sucked after the second draft. So uh, I think that's the best thing you learn from doing it. If, you probably feel the same way. I would think. Absolutely. <laughs> I hate them all as I'm writing them. Right, but you keep doing it, and then suddenly, oh wait, oh yeah, this is a book now. Right. What I what I what I do find is be, I'm in a writers group, so I take stuff to or I'm currently out of one, but I'll, weekly I'll take pages in. You're reading a, a chapter at a time, you're thinking oh, this kind of sucks, and I don't know how to do this anymore. So I'm awful at it. And then when I end up when I'm reading the first draft, I, I go, oh, okay, you know, it's not as bad as I thought. There's something in here I can, right. I can work with. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. an interesting process, and I, I don't I, you know it's I think a lot of writers, the ones that I hear that get serious about it um, kind of feel the same way that mm-hmm. I think if you're writing something you think is really good, there's probably you probably got to dig a little deeper. I don't know. Maybe some people are just a lot better at it than I am. So yeah, um, maybe, and maybe I think, I think you, you know, you may get a feel for it as you do it more that you're coming along, but I think you're right. Everybody feels that way at some point. So what is uh, next? This was number four for Raleigh. I know that you've, um, yeah. well, you can talk about it, but you, you also have your, creative juices going in some different directions. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I've, I'm working on, I've, I've got a book sitting on the shelf that I'm still trying to find somebody to pick up. It's a, it's a historical novel. It's set in San Diego in 1891. It has a mixture of uh, interesting historical characters there. Um, and then what I'm working on right now is actually a trilogy that's going to be set in, in our hometown of La Jolla and it's a historical trilogy that takes place over 50s, 60s, 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s, and three kids in a family, and it kind of focuses on each kid as you go through the different decades. So I'm actually really interested in that, but it's 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 very different than Raleigh, and I don't think you'll have quite – I think it'll be a little more serious, but we'll, we'll see. Is it going to be in the mystery crime genre? Yeah, it'll definitely mystery crime. Um, oh, good. It, it, yeah, it's, there were a lot of interesting people about La Jolla in the 50s and 60s. Uh, of course, Raymond Chandler was here in the 50s, but every summer, J. Edgar Hoover came out and vacationed here with Clive 
with Clyde, his friend in the FBI. So uh, there's an interesting connection there, too. They were just friends. Just friends. <laughs> Have you? I'm, I'm blanking right now because the idea of the generational thing, I'm thinking of uh, T. Jefferson Parker's um, – the book he won his second uh, Edgar for, Something Girl. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Anyway, have you, did, have you read that? No, I don't think I, I think I yeah. don't think I have. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like his work, the ones I have read. So if he's done something like that, I should definitely check it out. Yeah, it, it's just, I'm blanking on it. Because um, you get old, you think that things happen. But he did win the um, second Edgar for it. That's one uh, one. Just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just the um, the generational thing made me think about it. So. Um, I, I've read parts of the um, the book that you said that's uh, the historical one, the the historical one about San Diego, older historical yeah. one, and uh, it's really good. It needs a home. It's really good. I mean, yeah, so yeah. I, 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 right. I haven't quite figured out what the what what you know what point I need to get across about it to agents because uh, I've had some interest, but nobody quite swung it you know swung at it. Right. Um, it's got, you know, it's got all sorts of good stuff in it. It's, it's a little different for me because it's told from the first person view from a 14 year old Chinese orphan telling the story. He's going to yeah. take on, uh, you know, he deals with Wyatt Earp, who was here. He deals with a very famous fictional detective who actually wasn't here, but it makes for a good story and it, it fits in with the mythology there. So, um, and, and lots of interesting things that were going on around here at the time, some very interesting historical figures and events. The first yeah. presidential visit to San Diego. So yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. I, I was really digging it, and the writing's good. I mean, uh, for people who haven't read you yet, um, you're a really good writer. So that's that's always fun to get into not only a good story but somebody who knows how to tell it. So how do people find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, best thing is to go to my website, CoreyLynnFaman.com. C-O-R-E-Y is how you spell Corey. The rest is pretty straightforward. CoreyLynnFayman.com. I've got a blog and website up there. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I have an author page, Facebook slash CoreyLynnFayman. Um, those are the best two ways. I should probably tell everybody they have got a special uh, contest going now. You can win a diddly bow. If you listen to Desert City Diva or read it, you'll know what a diddly bow is. It's a musical instrument, but I'm giving one away. So sign up for that. Cool. Is it, uh, is it similar to a didgeridoo? Uh, no, no, actually quite different. Because didgeridoo is more like a you, you blow on a didgeridoo, to, like a flute or a. This is a stringed instrument. It's a one string guitar. So there you go. All right, well, we're going to run out of time, but the, the what do you call it? Uh, diddly bow. Okay, a diddly bow. Because the, the, the like remind me of the didgeridoo bow. thing. Yeah, there you go. There you go. When I used to manage uh, Chuck Stickhouse in La Jolla a thousand years ago, we I used to book the bands, and uh, we had like one guy stand in <laughs> who played the didgeridoo, <laughs> and uh, it was like for like thirty like thirty forty seconds. That's pretty cool. And then uh, like a whole set, and I'm I'm out of here anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. all right, I started looking for the dingo to eat my baby. Um, so anyway, <laughs> DesertCityDiva.com. That's how people can go right now and download download this um, really cool idea for a podcast, podcast, right? Yeah. All right, man. Go there or just look up Desert City Diva. That's, that's it. You, you got it. As you as you heard, the British lady was talking in our ears. So thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed it. And, and um, thanks, Steve, too. That was a lot of fun. 
You bet. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Talk to you later. You bet. Take care. Everybody, I'm not exactly sure when the next show is going to be. I got uh, Left Coast Crime coming up, but I think I'm going to have at least one show in uh, March. Thanks for listening in. And um, once again, if you are in a book club and like to have an author talk to you about their work, I'd like to be that author. You can find my email address on my website, mattcoilbooks.com. And this podcast is solely owned by the Authors on the Global Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you a couple, three weeks maybe. <laughs>